This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to the program. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. I am your host, David Clark. I'm the Sheriff of Milwaukee County. Thanks for joining me today, really. Uh, Last week was our maiden voyage, and I wanted to do things a little differently at the start. I just wanted to introduce myself to you, the listeners, and uh, give you a little background so that going forward you kind of know where I'm coming from and why and how I arrived at these things. I thought that was very important to start that way. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sheriff Clark. And that's C-L-A-R-K-E. I spell Clark with an E. Or you can follow me at thepeoplessheriff.com. What do we have coming up in the program today? Well, we have a lot. Later in the program, we're going to talk about the uh, Baltimore riots, the war on police, the Ferguson effect, as they're calling it. Um, All these things related to uh, policing in America. It... um, it's a mixture now. It's an intersection of police and race, and uh, you always know that that's a volatile mix, uh, especially when it comes to the left, who uses it for uh, political purposes to rally the base, to uh, organize, if you will. We're coming into an election year, 2016, and uh, later on in the program, I'll get into a lot of that and I'll talk about how this is really not about policing in America Uh, this is about the 2016 election and I'll walk you through how I came to uh, that conclusion about what's going on we'll talk about the failed liberal urban policies surrounding uh, major urban areas across America New York, Chicago Baltimore, Milwaukee my hometown talk about the rising crime rates and what's really going on there and we'll talk about much, much more. But first, to start the program, I'm going to talk about presidential politics. And I know it's early. That's what I keep saying. That's what I keep telling people. But I keep getting asked, you know, Sheriff, uh, what about 2016? Who do you like and, and why? And I keep telling people it's early. Uh, it is very early in the process. Everybody, at least on the Republican side and even on the Democrat side, they're not even in the race yet. People like Scott Walker, who we know is going to run for president, he has not announced. Uh, There are others who have not announced. The Republican field is growing. Uh, If you listened to the program last week, and if you get a chance, I'd go back, uh, if I were you anyway, and I'm not you, but uh, listen to some of what I said there, and it might help you uh, understand me. And and I think that's very important. And I don't really care if people... uh, Agree, disagree. If you agree with me, fine. If not, fine. Poke holes in my position. Peel back the layers. If you want to find weaknesses in my um, thought process uh, and my beliefs and my ideologies, whatever, that's fine. That's kind of what this uh, discourse thing is supposed to be about. Unfortunately for me and the left, you know, it becomes personal. And uh, that's what it denigrates into. They will not address what I have to say. I expect my positions, my opinions to be responded to in an intellectual and respectful manner and instead it denigrates into personal attacks against me because they cannot respond to 
what I have to say, and that's fine. But I, I, I know how they operate. Uh, look, I read Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. Not only did I read it, I studied it, outlined it. I uh, keep it close by because that's their playbook. That is the playbook of the liberal left. And if you want to understand where those folks are coming from, I would encourage you to read Rules for Radicals because it'll help you, at least it helped me develop a counter strategy to their nonsense. It's almost as if I stole their playbook or got a copy of it anyway. I didn't steal it. I bought my own. And uh, I go back to it often uh, so I can develop develop effective counter strategies to the left's approach to American politics. But getting back to this presidential race, early in the process, uh, and I tell people, you know, if you got a favorite candidate, that's fine. That's, you know, obviously uh, many of the people who are announced have, uh, you know, a cadre of followers and uh, believers, if you will, and that's fine. But there's a lot of people out there who are undecided yet. Uh, who don't know, and, and they're, they're working their way through this process, and that's what this vetting process is supposed to be about. And that's why I tell everybody that I come across or that ask me, is to keep your powder dry. Vet these people. Vet them properly. Inside and out, don't just kick the tires. Lift the hood up. Check the, uh, the oil gauge or, or the, uh, the dipstick, if you will, and Really give these these people a thorough going over so that we don't make the mistake that we made in 2008. We had an individual who was really running on uh, a, as a social engineering type moment for America, right? We all wanted to see the first, not, when I say all, I mean, I mean that rhetorically. Uh, we wanted to crash that threshold of uh, the first black president in the United States. And, you know, I just, I, I don't know, I... I don't get into I don't know why we needed the first black president. I don't know why we need the first woman president. I'm not saying we don't. That is no reason to pick a president of a country like the United States of America because of their gender, because of their race. What I'm looking for in a candidate is somebody who can lead us back to America's founding principles, liberty, freedom, limited government, self-rule. That's who I'm looking for. And when I arrive at that conclusion, I'll let you know, like I said, and we'll talk about this as uh, time goes on into 2016, but for now I tell people who haven't decided on a candidate, keep your powder dry, okay, and just listen. None of these candidates are perfect. Uh, I'll give you my uh, upfront bias right away. People ask me about Scott Walker because I'm from Wisconsin. He's from Wisconsin. He's the governor of Wisconsin. We worked together in county government. He was the county executive um, the same year that I became the sheriff, so we worked closely together. Scott's a friend of mine, but I'm not going to allow that to cloud uh, my judgment, my thorough vetting, and I don't want it to cloud yours either. So, you know, look these candidates up, down, inside out, backwards, forwards, None of them are perfect. They all have their flaws. Forget about looking for the perfect candidate. You know, I hear this uh, a lot where we talk about, um, you know, the next Ronald Reagan. I don't know that there's going to be a next Ronald Reagan. Who was the Ronald Reagan before Ronald Reagan became president? I'm looking for somebody who has a set of principles uh, that are in line with the true founding of this nation. Okay, and, and, and that person, I think, 
uh, is someone who's going to help turn this country back toward America's original founding uh, principles. So we got a long way to go as it relates to that. Uh, let's see. What I want to do in the next segment is talk a little bit about this article that uh, uh, was written recently, and uh, I want to get, make some comments on it because there's a lot of a lot inside of it. So, what we'll do in the next segment is uh, we'll come back. I want to talk about Congresswoman Gwen Moore. She is from Wisconsin. She represents uh, basically the city of Milwaukee is her congressional district. And she wrote a scathing uh, article for the Daily Beast. And I want to read that to you. It isn't that long, but uh, and I want to comment on that. So that's how we'll start the next segment. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff. I am your host, David Clark. This is the Blaze Network. So stay with us. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Why can't you decide to adopt someone else's race? I don't understand, based upon the left's own logic. And I have to tell you, they haven't come up with a real reason either. You can look on HuffPost and other places. It seems pretty clear to me that they are are saying, yeah, I guess. And we're going to say that gender can change, so race can change too. So, you know, hopefully you guys won't abuse this. Well, maybe some people will. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 2 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Welcome back to the program. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. I am your host, David Clark. We ended the last segment. I said I wanted to talk about this uh, uh, letter authored by Congresswoman Gwen Moore. Uh, it was written in the Daily Beast. I'm going to read through this thing, and then I, I have some comments that I want to make on it. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Uh, tell your friends. As I said, you can follow me on Twitter at Sheriff Clark. And you can also uh, follow me, get a hold of me at thepeoplesheriff.com. Congresswoman Gwen Moore, uh, she's been in Congress, I don't know, six, eight years maybe. And uh, she wrote this article to the Daily Beast. It's titled Fox News Favorite people sheriffs should drop the act by Gwen Moore. Gwen Moore's district covers, uh, for the most part, the entire city of Milwaukee and some of the surrounding suburban areas. She is a member of Congress. Uh, you may not have heard of Congresswoman Gwen Moore. There's a reason for that. I'll comment on that after I read this letter. Milwaukee County's David Clark could be a valuable voice in national conversation over police violence. Instead, he's on Fox News blaming black underclass subculture behavior. Our sheriff isn't like most American sheriffs. He's a self-proclaimed Democrat, an outspoken Tea Party activist, and a regular on primetime cable news. You may have seen Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark in one of his numerous appearances on the Fox News channel, lashing out at President Obama. You might recognize him from his appearance before the National Rifle Association, proposing the placement of a semi-automatic rifle on our country's presidential seal. 
You may have even watched his infamous 2013 campaign ad advocating vigilantism instead of dialing 911 in the event of a burglary. The country is just now getting to know Sheriff Clark, but I'm all too familiar with his inflammatory antics. His proclivity for provocation, coupled with his distorted view of black America, has grown more extreme over the years, earning him numerous appearances on Fox News. He has helped the network spread a slew of dangerous narratives that serves only to rouse the most extreme elements of the Tea Party. It is clear that Fox News and Sheriff Clark have developed a symbiotic relationship. He needs the cable news network for its national platform, and Fox needs a black sheriff to give voice to its dog whistle narrative. It anchors, uh, dare not vocalize themselves. Do you think Megyn Kelly could get away with making the claim that the racial inequity, uh, racial inequality is a thing of the past or calling Attorney General Eric Holder a race hustler? An essay, uh, I'm sorry, uh, as easy as it is to be enraged by Sheriff Clark's flagrant grandstanding, we should recognize that he isn't the problem, but only a symptom. In today's conservative media landscape, the need to inflame will always undermine the responsibility to inform, and reporting will always take a backseat to ratings. Both Fox News and Sheriff Clark realize that one can bypass the complexities and nuances of sensitive topics by simply maintaining the us-versus-them approach used by the right-wing media giant and Coulter. With the sheriff's brand of hostile punditry is especially irresponsible coming from someone wearing a uniform and a badge. Last month, during a congressional committee hearing on political policing strategies, Sheriff Clark was given an opportunity to address the strained relationship between police and the communities they're sworn to protect. Rather than providing the committee with the sensible testimony one would expect from a law enforcement officer with 37 years of experience, he offered some of the same ugly, accusatory rhetoric we've come to expect from Milwaukee's new Tea Party folk hero. Sheriff Clark's biting temperament was on full display as he vilified the federal government for intervening in local law enforcement issues and slammed the liberal mainstream media for their coverage of high-profile shootings. He continued his ongoing uh, absolution of America's police from any and all wrongdoing and insisted that black underclass subculture behavior and hashtags like (laughs) Black Lives Matter are the crux of the problem. When we identify the obvious racial inequalities in our society, we do so in our desire to repair that which is broken, not to demonize those who've committed their lives to protecting the public. We recognize that good police officers play a vital role in our communities. We can no longer be complacent in a culture that breeds bad ones. Citizens, lawmakers, and community stakeholders should be able to debate these issues thoughtfully and express our collective frustration over our country's failure to live up to its promise of justice for all without Sheriff Clark and others calling us cop haters and criminal-loving elitists. Sheriff Clark and his Tea Party followers live in a black-and-white world where merely investigating accusations of police discrimination and racial mistreatment is tantamount to treason. He is unapologetic and his blind defense of law enforcement officials, even in the most egregious circumstances. After the Justice Department released its report detailing unlawful bias among Ferguson police officers, 
Sheriff Clark immediately took to Fox to emphatically reject the findings, calling them a witch hunt. I'm not buying one word of Holder's conclusion, he told Neil Cavuto. The attorney general doesn't have any integrity anymore. Unlike Sheriff Clark, I refuse to dismiss this growing crisis. Recently, I introduced an amendment to a federal spending bill that would increase funding for the Mentally Ill Offender Treatment and Crime Reduction Act, enhancing training for police responding to individuals experiencing a mental health crisis. It's my hope that improved training and preparation will lead to fewer tra tragedies like that of Dontre Hamilton, a young man whose life was cut short after an officer shot him multiple times in a public park. Both Sheriff Clark and I are well aware of this case. He was our constituent. I am not a fan of Sheriff Clark or his politics, but I do believe he could provide a valuable voice to this national conversation. Unfortunately, his appetite for the spotlight continues to erode what little credibility he has left, and his authority is further weakened under the weight of his own theatrics. If the sheriff truly wants to help us, it is time for him to prove that he's more than just another partisan agitator with a badge and a cowboy hat. The self-proclaimed people's sheriff needs to drop the sideshow act and get serious. Until then, I can only wonder if Sheriff Clark is still a lawman or just a guy who plays one on TV. And that was written by Congresswoman Gwen Moore for the Daily Beast. Now, you talk about dangling red meat in front of a hungry lion. And there's a lot there. And I want to unpack this thing uh, when we come back in the next segment. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff on the Blaze Radio Network. I am your host, David Clark. Thanks for joining us today, and stay tuned. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff on the Blaze Radio Network. <laughs> Sheriff on the Blaze Radio Network. I'm your host, David Clark. And when we left uh, left off in the last segment, I was reading a letter uh, penned by uh, Congresswoman Gwen Moore. She represents the city of Milwaukee uh, inside my county, and it was written for the Daily Beast. And what I want to do is take uh, some time here to kind of peel the layers back on this uh, diatribe. I found it hilarious uh, as I read it for the first time. And you can see what's going on here. First of all, Gwen Moore did not write this piece. She did not write this article. You don't know Gwen Moore like I know Gwen Moore. Gwen Moore does not have the intellectual capacity to write like this. She doesn't possess all of these goings-on here. Uh, inside this thing to be able to coherently just Google Gwen Moore and just listen to her talk and you'll see what I mean. Uh, if you notice, I mean, this this letter came straight from either the DNC or it was at the order of the DNC and probably came through the uh, Democrat Party of Wisconsin because if you look at the content of this letter, 
you know, their, their fingerprints are all over this thing. I mean, notice the key words that they bring up in this letter. And this is why I say Gwen Moore didn't have anything to do with this. Not that she doesn't believe it. She did not write this. They needed a surrogate. I am the left, especially the liberal left, the liberal wing of the Democrat Party. I am their biggest fear and their biggest nightmare. That is why they came at me the way they did last fall in my election, because they knew this guy, his voice is resonating. He makes sense. The average person, after listening to him, will say to themselves, this guy makes sense. People within their own party know that. People within the black community already know that in Milwaukee anyway, and it's starting to, uh, to grow nationally. And they realize they have to get rid of David Clark. I am living rent-free in their heads right now. But listen to the key words that came out in this letter that I read. Ann Coulter, Tea Party. They used Tea Party several times. Fox News, NRA, National Rifle Association. They snuck in Black Lives Matter. Uh, those are the, and they know those words have been Cold tested those words have been put through focus groups and what they try to do and remember I, I, I read Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals I know exactly what they're up to and the reason why that imp was important for me a long time ago to read and understand that was to have an effective counter strategy uh, to deal with these clowns so what they're trying to do within their own base, and that's why this thing was written for the Daily Beast, is to demonize and discredit David Clark. Because as I talk, I try to talk to everybody. I don't just go to one place. I've been on CNN. I've, I've, I was interviewed by Al Jazeera for a piece on Scott Walker. I'll go wherever I'm invited, and that's their biggest fear. They saw this day me having my own platform on a platform on the blaze radio network they saw this day coming and it was their biggest fear gwen moore is nothing more than a back bencher in washington dc the only uh use that uh, she has or that that she brings to the dnc or the democrat party is a reliable vote, a yes vote or a no vote as the party goes. And also, she's being used as a surrogate. And that's exactly what this whole letter was about. Gwen Moore didn't write this. Gwen Moore is smart enough to put together a piece like this. So they use her for two reasons. One is because they need a black surrogate. Because the white liberals on the left do not want to get their hands dirty by going after a black person. They don't want to deal with the fact that if you come too hard, you're a white liberal and you come too hard after me, you may come off as appearing to be racist yourself. So you go out and you get a black surrogate. And Gwen Moore is reliable for that. Now, inside this piece that she wrote, I want to break uh, some more of this down here. She mentions uh, that she authored some bill. Gwen Moore has 
never authored any major legislation on the Hill. She's never been a part of any important discussion on important issues facing the United States of America in Congress because the Democrat Party knows she's an embarrassment. When she opens her mouth, she loses all credibility. So they want her to keep her head down and her mouth shut. But she mentions in here that uh, she introduced an amendment to a federal spending bill. You know, the left, good on spending, right? Spending bills that would increase funding for the mentally ill offender treatment and crime reduction act, enhancing training for police officers responding to individuals experiencing a mental health crisis. Then she mentions this tragedy of Don Trey Hamilton, a young man whose life was cut short. She says, or the article says, uh, after an officer shot him multiple times in a public park, and she ends it there. What she forgot to say, what she forgot to tell you is Dontre Hamilton took an officer's nightstick away from the officer. That nightstick is made out of hickory. That's a hardwood. And started beating that officer about the head. And that officer, fearing for his life, drew his firearm, and yes, he shot multiple times. I think he fired 15 shots, and he killed Dontre Hamilton. Gwen Moore didn't explain it like that. A mentally ill guy who was shot multiple times in a public park by by an officer. Yeah, as Dontre Hamilton was feloniously beating that Milwaukee police officer. Now, one thing that you'll learn not just about Gwen Moore, but there's evidence of this in Ferguson, Missouri. There's evidence of this in New York. There's evidence of this in Baltimore, where failed liberal urban policies have given rise to a permanent underclass in the United States of America. And the left knows they're in control of these areas. They're in control of these major urban centers just about all of them in America. They know they need to deflect away from their failure and their propping up of the American ghetto. They must deflect from that so that outside observers don't look and go, hey, wait a minute. Isn't that city under the control of liberal Democrats? But that's kind of what's going on here. Let me give you a snapshot as Gwen Moore has represented the city of Milwaukee in Congress, here's what Milwaukee looks like today. Milwaukee is now the fourth poorest city in America. Nearly one in every three Milwaukee residents lives below poverty. Yet we spend millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars in Milwaukee on anti poverty programs and I have called on more than one occasion for an audit of every anti-poverty agency in the city of Milwaukee to find out their usefulness and to find out whether or not they're succeeding in their mission to reduce poverty in fact poverty in the city of Milwaukee under the liberal mayor Tom Barrett another good democrat at least that's what they would call him has increased. When Mayor Barrett started, I think Milwaukee was the sixth highest uh, or the poorest city in America. Now they're number four. 
the, the city of Milwaukee, K-12 public education, Milwaukee public schools, they are near the bottom in terms of math and reading scores, in terms of graduation rates. Truancy rates are off the chart. The city of Milwaukee, K-12 public education under Gwen Moore. Milwaukee's unemployment rate for black males, the city of Milwaukee, 32% under Gwen Moore. Black male unemployment rate, 32%. I think the national average for black male unemployment, black unemployment, maybe in general, it's like 13%. So we're nearly three times the national rate for black unemployment. We have one of the higher rates of infant mortality, black infant mortality in the city of Milwaukee. The crime, according to Forbes magazine anyway, in their uh, listings of uh, most dangerous cities in America as it relates to crime and violence, Milwaukee's number two, according to Forbes magazine. The second most dangerous city in America per capita. So when you listen to this, and you you, you, you go through what I just uh, read from Gwen Moore, this is for no other reason than to mask their own failures and to try to discredit me within their own base because they know I can resonate in the black community. I do resonate in the black community. And they know that the bigger platform I get, that's why they throw in their Fox News. That my message gets out and starts to make sense to people. And at some point, the curtain's going to be pulled back on these failed liberal urban policies. And this whole thing might unravel. In the next segment, I'll have a, a few ending thoughts on this. And then we're going to get into the uh, the Baltimore situation, the Ferguson, the rioting, the New York. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff on the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks for joining me today. Stay tuned. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff on the Blaze Radio Network. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Welcome back to the program. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff on the Blaze Radio Network. To close out that last segment on Gwen Moore, just do yourself a favor. After the program, just Google or any other search engine. Gwen Moore performs a poem and a song on Scott Walker. If you need a good laugh this afternoon, just <laughs> it's on YouTube as well. Pull it up and listen to it. And then you'll you'll know everything you need to know about Gwen Moore. She's one of the most irrelevant members of Congress. And that uh, piece written for the uh, the Daily Beast was more about demonizing me and uh, rallying their base for the 2016 election. And I think that segues uh, real nice with what I want to finish the show with today, and it's the effects of modern liberalism on the black community. Because if you look at Baltimore, you look at Ferguson, you look at New York, you look at Milwaukee, all these urban centers, Chicago, and you can go all across the country. The Democrat Party knows that they're going to need a huge black turnout, and they know they're going to have to win some independence. 
One of their biggest fears about me, which is why they have to demonize me, is that my voice has been elevated and it's starting to resonate. The more that the average person hears of me, they say, you know, it kind of makes sense. It seems like that one of the, the, the common words used to describe what I say when people come up to me, they say, you know, it just makes a lot of sense what you say, and it does. I try to keep things simple. I try to break them down into understandable parts. I don't try to talk over people's heads. I don't need people to think that I'm the, uh, the smartest guy in the room because I'm not. I don't need to be. But I am here to destroy this liberal stranglehold, this Democrat Party stranglehold on the black community because of the effects of modern liberalism on the black community. Modern liberalism, defined as conduct without borders, has come through the black community like a wrecking ball. Modern liberalism has hit the black community with the force of a nuclear explosion. It has decimated the black family. It has marginalized and emasculated the black male, separated him from his children and his family. Modern modern liberalism keeps kids shackled to these failing public schools. It keeps black families mired in generational poverty. I talked about the statistics earlier in the city of Milwaukee. Keeps our prisons and jails filled totally between the state and the federal uh, prison system taken together. Uh, Blacks make up 37.5% of the population. One of the effects of modern liberalism on the black community is that it celebrates black underachievement. Look at the school failure. Now, I know some of this is self-inflicted. We'll get into that uh, in, in future shows. How some of these pathologies that uh, beset the black community are self-inflicted. But I want to talk about the role that modern liberalism plays. Modern liberalism has uh, black folks blaming others for questionable lifestyle choices like gang involvement, criminal activity, school failure, failure to stay in the workforce, consistently in the workforce. Modern liberalism has blacks blaming outside forces for some of those lifestyle choices. And it's always somebody else's fault. Some conservative fault. It's Fox News fault. It's Ann Coulter. It's David Clark. It's Glenn Beck. It's somebody else's fault. It's a white man's fault. Slavery, discrimination. Well, they know better, and I know better. And I'm here to expose them for the fallacy that this is. You know, what the, the riots in Baltimore and, and, and Ferguson had nothing to do with police use of force. That was a trigger. That triggered an already festering situation brought on by modern liberalism. There's been an expansion of the underclass in America's urban centers, the ghetto. In the United States of America, there is now a permanent underclass. Underclass behaviors such as settling disputes with violence, taking property by force, not raising your kids, other questionable lifestyle choices, are the result of modern liberalism. And what I aim to do, in addition to exposing this stuff, is just to get 
people in general to open their eyes and think for themselves. I don't go out telling telling anybody to vote Republican. I think the political parties are part of the problem collectively. As I've said, that's the ruling class. What I'm trying to to drive home is the importance of self-sufficiency. Standing on your own two feet. If we really want to help the black community in the United States of America, the reason why we have to free them from Democrat Party control, because the only way we're going to straighten this out as a community, I'm talking about black society, is have the Democrat Party get their boot off our neck so that we can stand up, think for ourselves, put the family structure back together, hold ourselves accountable, start to shame some of this behavior instead of celebrating it, with less reliance on government. Now, the Democrat Party knows that if that if black people ever open their eyes, that's the end of that movement. And they see me as a threat to that. We're out of time for today. Thanks for joining me. We'll be back next Saturday, good Lord willing. David Clark, the People's Sheriff, the Blaze Radio Network. Enjoy your week. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network.